Are you ready to turn your crafting passion into a thriving business? Join me, Kimberly Smith, the Paper Chef, for a creative journey filled with success stories, expert insights, and the crafty inspiration you've been waiting for. This is Hello Crafty Friends. Some of you may be listening to this as a podcast, and so you may hear me interacting with some of my viewers because this is being live streamed right now to YouTube. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how I made my first $20,000 on YouTube, and that is just one of the ways to monetize your channel. And then I want to teach you how to get started with your own crafty YouTube channel. I'm going to answer some common questions such as, how do you find your niche? What equipment do you need to use to get started? I'm going to explain why the data is very important, why we need to look at our channel analytics so that we can use that to inform us about what content to produce more of and what content to produce less of. I'm also going to talk about how to grow your channel, how to stay motivated through all of this, and the important question about consistency. It does deal with motivation, but it's really about why it's so important to be consistent with your channel. Should you just post any old time you want, when you feel like it, right? Or is, should you have a schedule or some kind of consistency? And finally, I have listed here, and there's probably many more, and I could do an episode on each one, but my five lessons learned from starting my channel, and these could be mistakes that you could learn from. Take it as you wish, and it's definitely mistakes that I've learned from, and I'm still on a journey of self-improvement. So this is how we're all going to improve is by learning from others who have been there, who have gone ahead the road before us. I'm not going to say hi to each and every one of you, but if you have questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. My channel has a membership program. Those of you who join the membership program have priority for your questions, and you're going to get to use some of my special crafty icons that I just had designed for the members of this channel. All right, so let's get started. I joined YouTube in 2012 as a viewer with this particular email account. I probably watched YouTube way before that. In fact, I'm sure I did with all of my different email accounts. However, in 2012, I just watched as a user for four years and, or five years actually. For So for tw at 2016, I joined Stampin' Up. I'm a independent Stampin' Up demonstrator. And still didn't start a YouTube channel. I was a full-time teacher. So I decided that I'm just going to do this as a hobby. I like getting my discount. And I would still have craft events at my house, which I was doing for many years prior to even becoming a demonstrator. I kept having workshops, but didn't really want anything to do with having a YouTube channel, except that it was something that was always nagging at me. Kind of like, I want to write a book or I want to start a podcast. That was nagging at me for years, and you see me here right now. I'm starting a, I am started a podcast. If you missed my interview with Tracy Vanover, who has over 18,000 sales on Etsy, please give that a lesson, a listen, not a lesson, a listen, because that was my episode two, my first interview on my podcast. You can also listen to my first solo episode, which is about finding your passion and finding your why. So when something nags at you for a while, it's in your subconscious, and what you need to do is take inspired action to make it happen. Well, in 2017, I did just that. I went to Amsterdam. I went to a conference, and it was a Stampin' Up! 
on-stage conference. I went with my friends, Anne and Tammy. We were all living in Germany at the time. We didn't actually fly from the States to Amsterdam. We drove up there. My husband went with us too, but he didn't attend the actual on-stage conference. I was sitting in a workshop. The speaker said to get out your book and write down your goals and just kind of came right out of me like a download from the heavens. I wrote, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. That's my goal, but I'm rolling my eyes because, you know, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Write down your goals. Let's meditate. I do all these things now, by the way, but at the time I was like, mm, uh, whatever. I wrote it down and immediately, like immediately, 2017, I walked out into the lobby while the conference was going on and I made my si first six YouTube videos. Now, they completely sucked, okay? So these are YouTube videos where I just took my camera and I have this as a sample. I have my kind of first types of cameras as a sample. I have, by the way, always used iPhones for this. So we'll talk about the equipment in a moment, but I went over and I was like, hmm, there's some pretty cards on the board. And everybody was speaking in all different languages and sort of like pushing me out of the way, not, not taking it personal, but they were all trying to look at these beautiful cards on the board called swap boards. And I went over to each board. There was a giant bulletin board and really fast, again, lesson learned, just really fast and really out of focus and kind of fuzzy. I mean, not, not too fast. You could still see the cards. I went like this and I said, I am in Amsterdam at on stage and here are some cards that other Stampin' Up! demonstrators made. Da, 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 posted it to YouTube. Immediately I started getting views, like within minutes, because at the time people were searching for Amsterdam and on stage and Stampin' Up! and things like that. So that was good. And I got encouraged. I was like, this is good. And did it again with the second bulletin board. Now to this day, hardly anyone has ever seen those. I just had a few views. So really nothing happened like major. But I was excited that I know now how to put something on YouTube. So honestly, it is as simple as that. Okay, but now the question is, before we get into all these other things, you might be saying, but how can you make money off a YouTube channel? It's going to take a very long time and a lot of patience. When I posted my podcast the other day, my husband said, oh, did you make any money off your podcast yet? And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, no, like I have 11 listeners and I have all these viewers that want to be listeners that don't even listen to podcasts and I have to try to explain to them how to download or how to listen to a podcast. I'm like, no, it's going to take me years to, to monetize my podcast. Maybe it won't take me as many years, but it was just such a funny question when it took me so many years for YouTube. So let's talk about just the first thing is how do you, if you want to get started on YouTube, how do you pick a niche or niche? I like to say niche, right? How do you pick a niche? It's a specialization. You may have a lot of passions. You may have a lot of hobbies and you may have a lot of crafting specialties, but you can't put them all into one channel. You can't have a crafting channel mixed with a gaming channel mixed with ballroom dancing. It does not work. And it does not work for so many reasons because when you finally get your subscribers, which we'll talk about, you, they're not going to stay with you because they're gonna come back again and they're gonna to come to the next video and you're gonna be talking about something completely different. So if you wanna talk about your family vacations and your hobbies over here, uh, basket weaving, and then you also wanna talk about paper crafting, it's not going to work. Those would be three separate channels. Each channel has to have a niche for many reasons. 
We're going to talk about it more when we get to demographics, but if you are ever going to expect to ever monetize a channel, the algorithm has to know who is watching this channel. If it doesn't know what the target audience is that is watching the channel, they cannot serve up advertisements to them. Now, we as creators make some money a little bit when you don't click skip ad at the beginning of a video. There is something that will play before the video. If you skip it before a certain time, then it's like you didn't watch it. But if you don't skip it and you watch it, that is a signal that there is a little bit of, and it's a, it's a split. It's not like YouTube gives us all the advertising revenue, but they give a little bit to the person's video where that ad was placed in front of. You may notice that the ads are something that interests you, that are made just for you. They're served up to you. That's because they are, they absolutely are. And it has to do with the location you're at. And that's how some channels make more because they're in locations where people are more affluent. And depending on where you are at, your ads will get served to you. And when I say affluent, I mean, I'm talking about ads placed in front of people in the US where the economy is better than maybe an, another country. That's what I'm talking about by location, not within like the US, but you will get ads served up to you. And that is how the, the YouTubers make money. So your niche is very important for every topic that you have an interest in, and mine's paper crafting, and it's it's wide. I mean, I do talk about the Brothers Scan and Cut die cutting. It's an electronic die cutting machine, but it's still for paper crafters. I talk about products, and I show how to create cards, 3D items. I show how to utilize paper pumpkin kits on this channel. Lots of things, but they all deal with paper crafting. I do not talk about scuba diving, another interest of mine. I don't talk about travel. I mean, unless I'm doing it while I'm crafting. But what I'm saying is, if I were to do that, I would do that on another channel. Because that way, not only can your viewers find you and watch you and subscribe and then want to watch you again. And when they come back, you're meeting their expectations and they won't leave and unsubscribe because you're no longer talking about what they thought they were going to be in your channel for. So the reason some channels make so much more than others is because of the types of advertisements that are given to the people watching that. So for example, gamers, they I think they probably make the most on YouTube because the people watching them give super chats, that's donations. And I've had several as well. That's a donation while you're live and they give, they give an actual monetary donation to support the person playing the games and teaching you how to play the games. And then the advertisers can very tar specifically target to them the equipment for those games, the monitors and sound cards and computers and, and all the things that are interest that interest the gamers of that, that follow that type of game. So you can imagine why it's so important to have a channel that's based on one certain topic. Okay, so now you might be asking, what equipment do you use? I wanna get started. How do you get started? Well, you need to just start with your phone. Don't go buying fancy equipment. I have video cameras and I probably used them here and there, but most of the time I've used phones. I have a bigger phone that's on my tripod right now. I have another, I have a ring light right now that I can't show you, but it's lighting up my room. And so it's good to have good lighting, but I have LEDs above me. And even when the ring light is not on, 
it still works because my lighting is good in the room. So you need good lighting. I will put in the show notes some links to the equipment that I'm using. I started out with duct tape and a camera tripod. Later, I graduated to these types of stands. This is what we used in bingo on Friday night. When my husband was calling the bingo game, he put his camera on this. So this is a stand that I used and I put it down when I'm showing the crafts. I travel with this because it's portable and it, it raises up and down. So it is a camera stand, it's very flexible. Don't try to use one of the little phone holders that are $15, just don't do it. You need a stand that's going to hold the weight of your camera. See how it's flexible and it can move and bend. And what you could do with one of these, and when I'm doing a catalog overview, I might say, hello, and do a little introduction and then, and then turn it down to the table. Well, actually turn it down like this because lesson learned, you still wanna be able to look down at what the camera is seeing. So this kind of desk stand is really good. But what I'm using right now, that's my portable one. We used it for bingo. We use it for travel. I bring it on trips with me. But the one that I use every day for my scan and cut tutorials, and I have a couple of these. This is probably my third or fourth one. I've, and for many reasons, I have more than one. But I really like this, and, and it's, you know, it comes off, and it will stand up. But here, I put the camera, let me show you, onto here, and then I just go live, do my recording. I, I do the live preparation, and then I, I'll do the live preparation. I'll take a what's called a thumbnail. That's what your final project is going to look like. I post what my video will be about, and then I just put this camera down and, and turn it on when I'm ready and go live. I wait about eight seconds because there is a delay and you might see me kind of like deer in the headlights or hear some silence at the beginning. I'm waiting for it to say that I'm live, which is usually eight, about eight seconds before it kind of kicks in. What you shouldn't do is turn on another phone to check while you're live because you'll get that feedback, but you could check just for a moment, but like turn the other sound off for the other phones and any other iPads or devices because those will, if you have one what's recording your sound and another one that's playing your sound, it's going to be like, if you ever remember when there's, there's stores, they still have these, there's radio shows and people call in live to a radio show and the host will say, please turn off your radio in your car. Like they're calling from their car, call in with your question and they call in and they don't turn the radio off in their car and it's like squeak, it's feedback. So you want to keep Keep that in mind. All right, other equipment I have been using, and believe it or not, this is all I used for many years, is just these little clip-on microphones. This one is, happens to be wireless, but I've had the lavalier ones that just have the little, the little wire, and they come out of my phone with, they're wired on, but then I needed the input of my phone for other things, so now I'm using, well, no, I still need it for other things sometimes, but like my, you can use your earbuds, they have a microphone on them. But what this, this does is it has a little receiver, transmitter, and then it has two microphones. So you could each wear one if you're having a conversation and it goes into your phone. So I'll put a link to that. But then if you wanna upgrade, this is a Yeti mic. And this is what I use for when I'm using my computer to record my podcast. So my first podcast was called a trailer for my show. And then the next one was a solo episode where I recorded straight into Audacity. 
This is the microphone I used. I like it because it has, you know, your, your filter on it. And I'm going to be getting some other microphones that are better for my iPhone. Because I really just want, I'm most relaxed when I'm just kind of talking without a lot of notes. Right now I have a little bit of notes, but I'm just speaking from my heart. And I'm better doing that. So I really just want to get a better microphone that attaches to my phone and just record when I, when I get inspiration. I'm always, like, I, I never run out of ideas for this podcast because this podcast supports crafty businesses. And a lot of business development is about mindset, motivation, time management, and things that I could talk about from anywhere at any time and maybe not directly dealing with crafts. So we're going to talk about consistency next. But I just want to mention that this podcast, Hello Crafty Friends, has, when I just launched it, I also launched a brand new group called Grow Your Crafty Business. So we have a Facebook group, and on Tuesday night, we're starting out, and my Patreons, those that are supporting this channel, are also invited. We are starting out the year right. When I say the year, it's a, I say the fiscal year. And we're doing goal setting with Google Sheets, and you're going to get a template and you're going to be setting your goals for anything you want. And, it, and if you're not sure you want to grow a crafty business at this time, I still encourage you to join our group because you can set goals and you never know where it'll lead you. And you can set personal goals as well. Maybe you have a sales goal, a team building goal, a leadership development goal, a self-development goal. You can track those goals using Google Sheets and it'll visually track them for you. And you can put the subtests that you need to do in order to get to your next level. So that is at hellocraftyfriends.com. The link is in the show notes and it's also in the description of this video if you're watching this as a video. All right, so when should you post your videos? This is one that I really don't have any regrets about, honestly, because, and I'm gonna tell you what I do and what other people are gonna tell you to do and why, it, what, what parts of this matter, what parts don't. All right, so what I do this is what I've done, what I've always done, and almost, I hardly ever schedule my lives. I hardly ever schedule videos, and I don't post on consistent days of the week, okay? I create. I create all the time. I create almost every day. And sometimes when I'm done creating, I have to work on, say, you know, business tasks, like, but I did those today. Maybe I was sending out offers for my card on Blue Card Club and my workshop series, or I might be working on a newsletter. And sometimes when I'm done creating, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to share this now. And so this is our next, this, I'm doing a workshop series on Very Cute. So those of you who are listening to this podcast can't see this, but I'm showing you a Very Cute shaker card with the sequins inside. I made this today, but I did not feel like sharing this today. It's not, I'm not going to do the video on this today live, but it's on my table. It's ready. And I have all the stuff sitting around it because after I make something, I try to leave everything out that I used so I can replicate this on a video. Now, that's my personal method because the idea of a schedule for a person like me is a stressful idea. Okay, so if, if I said, now, although I've never missed a team meeting in all the years I've been a paper chef team leader, because we have that once a month on the second of the month, and we change the date sometimes to other dates, but I've never missed it. That's once a month. If I had to say on Tuesday, you know, this time and on this day at this time for all infinity, I'm going to be on YouTube. That 
idea would stress me out because I might not feel inspired to go live at a certain time on a certain day. Now, I always have projects ready, but I'm not feeling it. Everything we do is, without getting too far off track right now, but we emit a frequency, sort of like a radio station emits a frequency. And one of my coaches, his name's James McNeil. I love the man. I'm going to put his, I'll put a link to some of his work down below. But he talks about that. And you attract people at similar frequencies. So if I'm just like, oh, where's my coffee? I don't feel like this. And I'm just going to get on and slug through it because I said I was doing it at like Tuesday at seven. Oh no, here we go. I'm not into it, but I'm going to force myself to do it because I like to do what I'm, what I said I'm going to do. And if I were to get online at that time and do that, it wouldn't be good for my listeners and viewers. I wouldn't be into it. Okay. I have to feel inspired when I go live. That's my personal preference. Now, others are going to say, and I've heard it both ways because I have a lot of YouTube coaches that I listen to. I've been listening for years to other people give me advice and they're going to say, you know, schedule your, schedule your things so your viewers know what to expect and go live at certain times and schedule things and, and that's great for them. And maybe they got better growth because of it, but I have peace of mind and happiness because of the method I chose to do. But either way, whether you're going to do what I do and just fly by the seat of your pants and go live when you get inspired or whether you're going to get a schedule and be consistent and schedule your lives, literally schedule them weeks in advance and do them every certain day. That is up to you. It's your channel. Do it either way. But what's very important is to be consistent because your viewers are expecting new content from you. Same with my podcast. I'm doing, I'm, I already have another interview scheduled for this coming Wednesday. I want to do one interview a week. That's my goal. And then I'll do other solo episodes. My listeners will be expecting things. So I'm going to be delivering that to you. What's important is consistency, that you're always doing something moving forward. Even when I'm on holiday, I may pre-record. So for example, I was in Bali and I pre-recorded scan and cut tutorials before I left. And then I edited those while I was in Bali. You know, and I mean Bali, Indonesia, other side of the world. And with, with, I had horrible internet at the time. But I did not want to go a few weeks without uploading something. So I then uploaded those tutorials, which are pre-recorded and pre-edited, and that kept my channel in momentum. Or you might want to record a short or a personal story or something in between. At least put some community posts. Don't go weeks without posting. If you do, your channel will take a dive because viewers will not be, or listeners and viewers... It does, in fact, what I'm giving you right now, this advice is going to work for a podcast or a YouTube channel. You want to be consistent and not give up. You need to keep producing content. And it goes for Instagram too. It goes for Facebook business page. Post new content when you can, whenever you can, because of course, the more the better and the more consistent, the better. So how do you grow your channel? That's a question you often get asked. And I'm going to now talk about my growth. And explain that you're going to grow your channel by being patient. So I'm shuffling papers for the listeners because I need to pick this one up and get this exactly right when I explain these numbers to you. And in my Grow Your Crafty Business group, I will show you my analytics and how we can analyze our YouTube data. I will also show you 
one video that I have that has made over $1,000 in revenue, just one single video. I'll be showing that to you in with visuals. So altogether, as of today, I have made from the YouTube channel, and I'm talking about the advertisements and not the extra benefits, which we will talk about at the end of the show. I have made $20,524.01. That's the revenue. So hence the title is over $20,000. So $20,524.01. Now, was it always like this? No. When 2017, when I went to that conference and I posted those six really short videos, I mean, they're probably 30 seconds long. During the year 2016, I produced 51 videos. They were all over the place. My first revenue generation month, okay, during 2017, and I know you're going to be laughing when I read this one, $1.89. Was I excited? Yes, I was so excited. I was just as excited as the first $1.89 as I am now when I have a really good month because that was the first time I, that I was like, wow, I, am, I have monetized my channel. You may feel the same way if you have advertisements on your blog. It's, it's a very exciting thing. That year, 2017, I posted 51 videos. And again, they were, a lot of them were shorter than they are now. Right now, a lot of times I, I might go an hour, but I also might do a short that's 15 seconds. So I, I do a little bit of each now, but I, I do pretty long videos now. 51 videos, and in the end of 2017, I made $80.15. Okay, one of the analytics you need to look at is how long are people watching your videos? Now, with shorts, which are very short videos now, it's kind of changing my average views, but uh, duration. There's something called the view duration, and at the time, I was 4 minutes and 32 seconds. In other words, people would come, and it was either such a short video they didn't watch for long, or they it was a long video, and they were like, after 4 minutes, they're like, I am out of here. So I had to learn how to keep people engaged for longer. And right now, as of today, when I looked at my average view duration, it is 11 minutes and 27 seconds. So over the years, it went 4, 5, 8, 9, 10. It went up. So I'm happy that my, my people, you, you're watching and listening longer. The next year, just to show you how things can start to grow so you can be encouraged, I posted 107 more videos. And yes, I was still working full time. And I was posting videos from other countries where I was living as a teacher overseas. And I made $581.82 that year. Very exciting. Super cool. Because why? It's so, it's, I mean, so much better than the $80 I made the first year. And I, I was like, I can do this. Okay, I could do this. And I'll get into the data in a little bit. And I'm, I'm getting into the data now. But I just want to talk about staying motivated, okay? So the next year, $2,973.05. So that was 2019. And we're gonna keep going up until you know when. So the next year, 3,000, oh, and, I, and I'm not gonna go through every single time and how many videos I posted, but you can just suffice it to say that right now, I'm almost at 1,000 videos. So we'll have a little party on YouTube and I get to my thousands public video. I have over 1,000 if you count the private videos that I share with only certain people, like my Patreon members or something. But I have over a 1,000 videos, but almost a 1,000 public videos. So then I went up to 
$899.53. And yes, that was 2021. And you know, everybody had lots of time to watch videos during that time. And then it went down after that to 4,550 in 2022. And then this year, we're still, the jury's still out. Well, we'll see how it goes. But over 20,000 total, with 2021 being the best year. If you want to know of the best month and the worst month, I wrote that down for you because I thought that was very interesting. And again, I get excited whenever there's a Google, because this all goes through Google ads. That's part of monetizing your channel. Is the worst month, of course, was that 2017 month. And it was $1.89. And during that year, I had 26 subscribers at the beginning of that, that month to get that $1.89. I still had, I had 26 subscribers. Now, while I'm on that, before I tell you that best month is yes, you want to ask, because I had a question from one of my team members. I asked about what would you want to know about starting a YouTube channel? Is it okay to get your family to subscribe? Yes, yes, absolutely. At the beginning, you want more subscribers, but you also need to get them to watch. You don't just want subscribers, so you want them to watch your videos. I had my friend Ann subscribe and watch my videos. So if you do get your family to subscribe, please ask them to watch as well. Because what you don't want the analytics to see is somebody subscribing, but then they don't give a hoot about the content. So you want family and friends to subscribe and watch at the beginning. And then after you get subscribers, because you have a niche, as I told you, so you're, you niche in, you have your specialty, then people will come to you on their own. So we'll talk about growing that in a minute. Okay. Now, the best month was 2021, and it was $725.21 from advertisements on YouTube. And when I say advertisements, super chats, that's donations that people give. Thank you, Be Free. Uh, the donations people give are called super chats. That's when they, you're in a live and they donate. Or and other times they give stickers. They give super stickers. And that's donations. And some of the funniest ones were, if... I was taking paper and just ripping it or doing something with it. And then everybody starts typing. They're all getting stressed out. Somebody might say, here's $5. Buy some more paper. You guys need to stop stressing out. It's very funny. Or when I lost my dye, my little spider, and I was looking all over for it, then someone gave me like $19. They're like, just buy a new spider dye. And then my sister also sent me her spider. So I ended up with like somebody buying me a dye and then my sister sending me a spider. So it's very fun. They interact, but they might donate. And then say like what it's for, which is even funnier. Or someone's like, just thank you for the great content. Buy yourself a cup of coffee. You know, but there's so many funny comments. And one day we'll talk about positive and negative feedback and, and that kind of thing. But that, that's really cool. An average month might be 200, like nowadays. Or if it's not during that one year where everybody was, had nothing better to do than watch YouTube. That was the best month. But an average month might be two or 300. It probably more closer to 300. And that's just from advertising. All right, so how to stay, how to grow your channel, get more subscribers. You're going to specialize. You're going to, when you have a video, you're going to repurpose content on other social media platforms. You'll see me doing this all the time. So, for example, last night I did a video about these nail files. Let's see if they're probably, they're probably up here. We made these, we made these yesterday. So on my channel, we made these. If those of you aren't watching, we did... I mean, those of you who are listening, I'm showing stocking stuffers that are nail files. That's what I'm showing. And we made five, I had one as a sample, and then we made four more during the live. And here's one that holds a candy cane, and here's one that holds a bone folder. So what I did is I took
took that and took a picture of those and posted that into my Facebook business page and my VIP group today and my team group. So I'm repurposing the content. And then that, sh that says, I tell them where to go find the tutorial. It's on my YouTube channel. It's part four of the very cute workshop series. I tell them where to go find it. So that's repurposing. Then I'm going to make a reel. A reel is a, up to a minute and a half, depending on how you do it and which platform. But that is a short video and I'm going to show either how to do this or I'll show all my projects and I'm going to refer back to the YouTube. So you're going to repurpose content and that's how you're going to grow your channel. Because on other platforms, you're going to refer back to your channel. You're also going to grow your channel. And we talk about with the analytics, but you are going to post similar content. Okay. And so when you post similar content, your own content will be binge watched. Just like I binge watch Yellowstone or something, a show I like. You have people come to the channel and when you post similar content, and you put something at the end of your content, it's called a card, or even you, sometimes I let YouTube, because their artificial intelligence is more intelligent than I am, and then I'll say, just you recommend the next video for this watcher based on their preferences. So at the end of the video, it'll say, you wanna watch this. If you're posting a lot of content that's similar, your content will get recommended, so more people will watch the content and it'll be your content. So therefore they're gonna binge watch and they're gonna binge watch you. That keeps them on the platform. YouTube loves when people stay on the platform and that way they get to stay longer and watch more content. All right, so that is how to grow it. You're gonna repurpose content. You're going to ask people things like I see some of you asking others right now. Please like and subscribe. When I get to my Lessons learned here, you're gonna hear we need how I need to do that more. All right, so how do you stay motivated and avoid burnout? That is a question. Well, if you don't pick a topic that you're passionate about, you will not stay motivated and you will get burnout. Okay, so first of all, pick a topic that you're passionate about, that you could do every day, that you do not need to be paid for, that you do you would do anyway, no matter what. Your heart is in it. When you have a servant's heart, your heart is in it, you're, you have the purpose of sharing with no expectations. You have to detach yourself from the outcome. You will then never lose interest. You will be passionate. You will attract others to your channel. You will grow your channel. You will not get burnt out because you're going to be getting positive feedback from growing your channel. You're going to see how many people you are helping by teaching them things and by sharing things with them. You're gonna build a community and therefore, that is going to give you the energy and fuel you need to keep going. I love all the feedback from my viewers. It keeps me going. Answering questions and comments and, and all the social aspect of this. I don't get burnt out because of that. You can also become more efficient and you can ask for help. And we'll do a different episode about time management, asking for help, outsourcing, hiring, all those kinds of things so that you can help also avoid burnout. You don't want to do everything yourself. There's some tasks that you have to do yourself if you're the content creator and there's things you don't have to do yourself. So those are some ways to avoid burnout. Now, how can I track my channel's analytics and performance? That's a common question asked by new YouTubers. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to look for things such as when you have 
when people are watching your video and you can get into your analytics and I'm not doing any visuals of this. I'm just letting you know what to go look for. You can see when they're leaving, when they're dropping off. So it's very important at the beginning of your video not to do a whole lot of unnecessarily unnecessary things that waste the viewer's time. Everything has to be in the perspective of what is the viewer going to gain from this video. And so you, you always start with what you're going to be teaching them and then you teach them. And then if you have any other, you know, stories, chitter chatter, do it while you're crafting, chat, talk to people, build community. That's great. And you want to get them hooked at the beginning so they don't leave. And you can find out exactly when they leave through the channel analytics. You can see they're out of there after, like I told you, four minutes at the beginning. And I can find out which point of each video they left. And now I'm up to 11 minutes, which might not seem very good considering I have hour-long videos, but some of my videos are very short as well. And sometimes people watch it twice and they only go and watch a little bit. I'm not sure how it all works, but I'm happy with the 11 minutes. To me, it, it means that they're staying around longer than usual. You want to look at analytics to find out, are they clicking on your thumbnail? Thumbnails are very important. I build my thumbnails in Canva. Again, we could do a whole tutorial on that, which I will with my Grow Your Crafty Business Group. I'll do Canva tutorials. There's so much to this. And anybody that says you just need to go do this, you just need to go do that, they're wrong. You need to do, I want to say all the things, but I don't want to stress you out by the word all, but you need to just work on a bunch of little things. Not all at the same time, but you do need to work on different things. And one thing is the thumbnail. And my thumbnails, they're not you know, the best thumbnails in the world. Like Mr. B spends, I think, $10,000 to get a thumbnail designed and he does all this A-B testing and things. But my thumbnails are my channel. They are very unique to me. And people have been watching my channel for years and they know that's a papered chef's tutorial because the font is a certain way. The graphic is over here. Then it has the papered chef underneath. That is why my thumbnail is not, I don't change it because it's part of my branding and it's consistent and you can actually look at what's called the click-through rate do people look at that thumbnail and do they click and move through to your see your video or do they let go oh that's that's an ugly picture and they leave so that's the important analytics like something you want to look at for your channel another thing so you want to look at the number of subscribers that you get from any given video so there's some videos that I have Zero new people came as a result of that video. Zero. I have other videos that 108 people, or I think even more in some of them, 108 new subscribers came from watching that one video. So, whoa, when you get data like this, you need to make more of videos like that because that video was so interesting that people didn't just watch it, they, they subscribed as a result of it. They took action as a result of that video. So that is a good, you know, portion, uh, one of the analytics to look at. And analytics are different than demographics. You can also look at demographics of who's watching your videos so you can speak to their issues and problems and all that stuff like that. But it's like, it's more important to look at the, the data from your videos. And I didn't do that at the beginning. And, and that's going to be when I get to that part, I will explain that. So for example, one of the, analytics that you want to look at is how many people are coming or what percent of people are coming as a result of being suggested on YouTube 
So how many people are coming by the videos that YouTube is suggesting for them to come? And I get, you know, 30 to 40%, depending on when, of this traffic that YouTube is suggesting. So you would think that like, you have to go out and go to, you know, pin your YouTube on Pinterest and share it on social media and Facebook and this and that. No, like, no, a lot of my traffic is not coming from people who are subscribed to my channel. It's coming from YouTube showing them something, one of my thumbnails and them going and suggesting my channel to them because of their similar interest. And then they come to my channel, 30 to 40%. So that, that data is very interesting because it takes the pressure off of like going crazy trying to post on social media, thinking that you're gonna drive the traffic. You're not gonna drive the traffic. The algorithms are gonna drive the traffic more. So you need to concentrate on making more of what works. Okay, making more content of the content that works. So let's talk now about, and if you have any questions, I, I wasn't really looking, I'm sorry, but go ahead and post them. I am now going to talk about the five common mistakes that I made when starting my YouTube channel. And some of those I am still making, and some of you guys help me out and keep me from making them, but here they are. Some of them I'm still doing, some of them I've learned from, and some of them it's a process I'm working on. I want you to start your YouTube journey and avoid these mistakes or at least reduce them. The first one is I didn't even look at this data at the beginning. <laughs> I didn't even know what the analytics were, even though I was listening to all these YouTube experts and they were telling me how to go find the analytics and I didn't really listen. I just created all of these different things that had no theme whatsoever. And like I said, I have videos where nobody subscribed as a result of the video. Okay, what a thumbnail is. Okay, good. Don is asking what a thumbnail is. All right, let's write this down. I don't have a thumbnail for this particular video yet, but I'm writing that down. All right, Donna. All right. When I had, I had this machine, I still have it. I use it all the time but I don't put videos on YouTube. Okay. It's, it's called a big shot professional. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's, you know, we have our stamp and cut and emboss machine like this. For those of you who are not watching, I'm showing you something that you would have a six inch plate that would fit through. So the big shot professional is a giant one of them. And teachers use it a lot and it has 12 inch plates. So, I mean, there's probably a hundred of us. No, I'm kidding. There's, there's thousands of these around the world because they're in schools this machine, but very few people use them that would watch a video on how to use them. So I was doing things like how to make a giant paper purse with, with this die that was like so big that like, like I said, they probably have a hundred of these around the world. Like nobody even had this machine. Nobody had the paper purse die that goes in the machine. And when I say die, I'm talking about a big metal die. They're called bigs dies, but they're like, they're really thick. They're like an inch thick with blades in them. Nobody has it, nobody's searching for it, nobody's watching it. So my biggest mistake was not looking at analytics and I didn't really even understand why nobody was watching it. And the channel was like, the title, I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to optimize your titles so that people search for things. My title was like, oh, um, make a paper purse or something, which nobody's really searching for that. Okay, these chats, Okay, let's see what that question was. I see another question coming through. You might have to post it again. 
I see you guys all chatting with each other, which, like I said, I can't say hi to everybody. But... Okay, yes, do the chats help me? Thank you. Melissa, great question, Melissa. Do the chats help me? In a couple ways, yes. And, I mean, in more ways than one. We're going to talk about, do chats help me? It's really about, do lives help me? And live is part of the chat. So, yes and yes, it does, but we'll talk about why. All right, so I made videos that nobody watched because nobody was searching for that content because nobody had the machine that I was using to, to demonstrate. And because I wasn't really creating content like the content that I'd already created that was successful. So if you have a video that's successful, and you would think that my brother scan and cut videos would be the most successful, but they're not. They're actually like the second most successful. They're not the most successful. But there's certain ones of those that are more successful than others. And if I don't keep creating more content like those, then I missed out on using any of the data to inform any of my decisions. So that was my biggest mistake. I probably made like 100 videos before I started looking at data. And then I started saying, well, this data really, this, this is what my viewers want. And the data isn't about you. So just like, oh, I want to grow my channel and do all this. No, no, no. Your whole reason, your whole purpose, it should be on this planet. And especially as a YouTube creator, should be to help others. Right, your, your purpose in life should be community building and helping others and serving up, sharing your gifts with the world. So you're really, you're looking at the data because you're seeing what do people want more of and you're giving it to them. That's, that's why you're doing it. Okay, so that's what I should have looked at the data, but I didn't. Okay, another mistake I made is not showing my face enough. I went to Ikea one day and you, you may have seen me post this on my Facebook business page. I, somebody comes up to me in Ikea and they're like, gosh, you you're the paper chef, aren't you? I recognize your voice. So they recognize my voice and they, they recognize my voice and they, and they came up to me. So she, she didn't really know what I look like, but she knew my voice and I'm pretty loud when I'm in a store, especially Ikea where I'm all excited. So uh, a couple reasons I should have done that. And you know, again, half the times I was in my pajamas. So and again, I'm not ever beating myself up because no regrets here. I love how my channel has has grown. It now has over 37, well, as of today, I looked right before this video, 37,744 subscribers. So I thank all of you with my deepest gratitude for my 37,744 subscribers. However, I think if for just best practices sake, maybe... Now, I don't like to move the camera around a lot and flip it around and do all this, make people dizzy, but I think I could do more videos where I was doing things like this and then other videos where I am showing just my table. I think it would have been a benefit for the purpose of connection to show my face more. That's my personal thing, thing that I think I should have done more at the, at the beginning. Now, here's one that I see a bunch of you doing right now, and I, I appreciate you doing this. You're asking others to please hit the like and please subscribe to my channel. I did not do this. I, I have not done this enough. And probably out of my almost a thousand videos, I, I've only done this a few times, unless someone reminds me and then I say it. I need to start doing that at the beginning. I see big YouTubers talking about this a lot. I see them saying it at the very beginning. They, they come on at the beginning and they say, today we're gonna do X, Y, Z. And if you're new here, please subscribe to my channel. This really helps a lot. And there's, there's a reason for that. 
it indicates that not just someone likes your content, but they subscribe. And when they hit that little bell to be notified, the more videos will be served up to them. It's an indication to YouTube that this is really valuable to the people watching it. Now, because I didn't do that, I did it at my detriment because about 30% or even more of the people who come and watch my stuff, they're not subscribers. They just come and they watch and they leave. And so I have non-subscribers, a big portion of non-subscribers that watch my content all the time because my watch time is very high, but they leave, they don't subscribe. So it's about call to actions. So liking, subscribing, and different things like that are called call to actions. And I should have been doing them at the beginning. Oh, she had no idea how to subscribe. Well, Laura, now you do. So now you do, I hope. Okay, and another mistake, and then I will answer these questions. Um, the next mistake was not starting an email list. Oh, why didn't I do that? Now I have a couple programs. I use MailChimp, Constant Contact, and MailerLite. I have one I started for my Hello Crafty friends, although I didn't put it on my website yet. I just started it the other day because I'm trying to keep some of my lists separate because it's logistical. It's, it's a logistical thing. Now, I have, when I say email list, it's because when you meet people in this way and they like what you do and they're like, oh my gosh, they might say you're the best scan and cut teacher ever or something. And I say, oh, thanks. Like, I teach courses. And they say, oh, really? And well, it's hard to share links. It's hard to share anything here on YouTube. I mean, I can put things in the description of the video. I bet half of you don't even know how to find the description of the video. I'm not trying to say that that's your fault. It's probably my fault. There's a little thing that you can click on and it's a little drop down and it opens up. I, you know, doobly do, whatever you want to call it. It opens up this whole description with links galore. And now I have what's called a link tree where it says paper chef's offerings and you just go there and you, and you link. And that's actually probably on my last mistake, but well, there's probably more mistakes I could do, but for the email list, you basically want to be able to get in contact with people. If they say, Oh, I really like your content and, you're, you've been helping me so much. Like, I love your card making tutorials. Can I, can I take your card making workshops? And how do I find your scan and cut courses? I didn't have an email list, so it was really hard for people to get in touch with me again. And then I finally started one, I think, three years into the process. So all this time, just, I was still, I still had things to offer. I just had no way of emailing those offers. And some people don't, know that the offerings were right beneath the video. In fact, I've probably sold several hundred scanning cuts. And when I say sold, meaning they bought them because I said this is a great machine and look how cool it is and I show people how to use it. However, when I ask people to use my link and they say, what link? Well, I had a link. Okay, let's see, you're making a card. Okay, something about making a card, let's see. If you're making a card, is the camera in front of you or behind you, okay? Camera camera angle. Okay, Jan, we'll talk about camera angle. This is good. I love, I love Q&A. She's asking, is the camera in front of me or behind me? She's confused about where to put the camera when you're making a card. Actually, I have a tripod here and a camera, so I can show you exactly what that looks like. So 38 people are concurrently watching now and 22 likes. So 16 of you have not liked my video yet, but thank you for the 22 likes. We have deep gratitude for the 22 likes. All right, we're not on the fifth one yet. We talked about not starting an email list sooner. 
So it's hard to it's hard to get in touch with people and share your offerings if you don't have an email list. So very beginning when you start a YouTube channel, you're not only going to make this list, uh, create an email list, and you can't just set you don't think I'm just going to use Gmail and send it out. If you try to send a lot of email, even when I try to send email to my team, it's spam if you're sending a lot of email at once. Even if you blind copy someone, sometimes I'm using terms you don't understand. But what I'm saying is you need an email service. A lot of them are free up to a certain amount. Maybe you could have 2,000 subscribers before they start choosing or charging. Now, let's talk about the last mistake I made. Yes, thank you, Jen, for the shout-out for my Udemy courses. The last mistake I made is making it super hard for people to purchase anything and everything from me. Super hard. And here's why. Here's my big mistake. This is what I did at the beginning. And you're probably going to laugh. So there's this website where you can generate links, and there's also now Stampin' Up! lets us do it. But you can generate a link for each product. So I'd make a tutorial, and let me think of something that's retired now. The gingerbread man, okay, whatever. And I would link to that stamp set painstakingly with, you know, a host code and my demonstrator number and the product number, and I'd make painstak, I'd, I'd make links to like every single product, and then I'd put them there and of course, my, my videos have been up on there for five, six years. And of course, they can click the links and they don't do a darn thing. They go to just the homepage because of, of Stampin' Up! Because they are not, even, the product's not even current anymore. And then I would link to my different things that I was happening. Like, for example, a workshop. I've probably had 150 workshops, card clubs, and, and offerings by now. Like, I probably offer 150 different things you can buy. I bet you don't know that I offer 150 things you can buy because I made it very hard for you to know that I had a lot of things to buy. So I would, example, I'd come on, I'd say, I have a new card-making workshop. I'd do one video about it, and I'd put the link under that video in the description. And then I would go off and do something else, keep making tutorials, keep on teaching, and I would never have those offerings in one place. So recently I developed, well not recently, a couple years ago I, I did what's called a link tree. I use a program called Flow Code and it lets me put all the links in one place and that way I only have to go to one place to edit them. Can you imagine right now without some kind of virtual assistant, which I don't have, can you imagine going back to my thousand videos and trying to fix all the links where the workshops are now not even happening anymore but underneath it I might have talked about a workshop or a class. They're not currently happening, but what I'm saying is I need to put under there every video. I need to go back and do this a thousand times is I need to say, here are my current offerings. So you need to do this from the very beginning. If you start a YouTube channel, you need to make, I, I call it a flow page, or you might be, you could use Canva. It called, it's also called a link tree. And there's actually a site called that. You're going to put multiple links and they're going to have all your current things in them. You're only going to link to the one menu which is your directory of your links. You are then going to go to one site where you update all your links. I do this almost every day, update my links. So I update them in one place now. I don't have to go underneath in the description of every single video and update links because it's so hard for people to buy things that they can no longer buy, but I would like to still offer them, here's my current things that you can buy. Here's my offerings. I have, I mean, I have PDF labels for all of the colors that Stampin' Up! I have a craft fair calculator. I have my mom's aprons and dog clothes. Okay, let's see. Oh, thank you so much for your comment. 
all the way from Australia. I have a courses, workshop, card club, paper pumpkin. I mean, loads of things that I offer, but it's very hard because of the way that I was presenting the links. It's very hard for you to purchase those items. Now there are things that you could put in the videos I used to do, and that was successful, but very time consuming. And those were little pop-ups. For example, when I offered a course, you, it would pop up and say, you can take this course, click on this link. So that was, that was good. And I might go back to doing that. Now questions are, what is a thumbnail from Donna? Okay. So Donna at the entire reason that most people will watch your video when they're scrolling around YouTube is because of the thumbnail, the little graphic it's in this format. It's in this landscape format. It's, it's going to, for example, mine says, you know, brother on the left side, those of you listening, it's, it'll say on the left side, brother scan and cut tips and tricks. And on the right side, it'll have a, a picture of what we're going to do, uh, creating a stencil with the scan and cut or cutting out stamped images. And it's a graphic on the right side. And then underneath that, it has the product name we're using, whatever product I'm using. And then under that, it says the paper check. They are consistent for, uh, I've put them on about probably 900 of my thousand videos because some don't have it, but I, but I put them on most of my videos. I'm just logging into the phone. And those thumbnails are what people click on because the title. So it's very important, a big, big font, something they easily know your title. So my titles were horrible to search for. They were like popcorn box. I, I would say uh, teacher appreciation gift. Didn't say what the, what the type of uh, gift we were making. I, I mean, hardly anybody watched it because who's searching? It's, well, they might be searching for that at a certain time of year, but I didn't even put, you have a hundred characters in your title. You should use up a lot of characters so that people can search for your videos. And also that thumbnail has to have a good title that stands out and that's catching. So some people, like I said, spend thousands of dollars to get these incredible graphics made so that people click on their video the second they see that. And they get really high what's called click-through rates. People click on it and they go zoom it over to watch those videos because the thumbnail is so appealing. And, you know, maybe if I could afford that someday, I might, I might do that. But right now, I develop everything myself. I develop my own thumbnails. So that was a good question. And it's very important to make good thumbnails so people click on your videos. Next question was, Melissa, are the chats helping me? In so many ways, the chats help me. They help me because... For, I, am, I love going live, and I'm going to explain the benefit of going live versus recorded. The chats help me because your feedback is what drives me. You're giving me feedback. I'm interacting. I know more of what you want. I, I ask you a lot of times in my lives, I say, do you like the green or do you like the red? Do you like this one or do you like that one? Okay, do you, do you want me to... I'll open up something brand new out of the box on my unboxing videos and, and I'll say, do you want me to stamp with this new stamp set or this new stamp set? It is so vital, this, this feedback and interaction. It's what drives me. So for some people, they don't even look at the comments. For me, I'm looking at them because I'm facing down, which is the next question about the camera. I love comments. And so, yes, it's very important for the chats. Now, the chats also help in more ways than that because there's something called super chats. And there's something called channel memberships. Super chats are when people donate. Yep, subscriptions and perks. <laughs> Lynn wants senior subscriptions and perks. Okay, well, you can join my... I don't have a senior a senior one, but I do have... I did pull out my, my demographics, though, I can tell you. All right, 
Before we get into the last question, she asked about senior perks. If I gave senior perks, here's how many people I'd be giving them to. All right, I, I took out my demographics here. 65 plus years old, 40% of my channel is over 65, right? So my channel is all senior perks, right? <laughs> my channel membership will mostly be made of seniors, let's put it that way. And 55 to 64, Okay, we're going to need to put on the glasses. Kim is putting on her glasses right now. 30.7% are 55. You know, 65 plus is 40%. Then 45 to 54 is 17%. Most of my channel demographics are an old crap. So how else do chats help? So we have what's called channel memberships. Yeah, okay, so Sue's saying it this. Sue wants to start one, and I'm going to explain how you learn. Okay, we're going to talk about the learning process. She's talking about there's a lot to learn here. All right, so first, Jan's angle, camera angle. Okay, when we get to that, we're uh, the chat question, and then we'll do the uh, camera angle. The chat question. There's super chats. So we, we have a membership, and so the comments from people that are my members will get prioritized, so that's really nice in the chat. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, not, that's channel membership. And super chats are when someone donates, and they're, and their chats get prioritized. So they get like big and bold, so they stick out, which is really nice. And so it helps that, it helps monetize the channel. It also helps increase engagement of the channel. It helps build community for the channel. All these things are very important. There's something I enable called live chat replay. When you are all chatting and the chat is very active and people are watching the video back over on the right side, there's a replay of everything you said. People love that. They get as excited about that as they do about the video. They even pause the video to read the comments. Sometimes I get donations from chats that are after somebody watched. Like they're not even, the donation didn't even come live. They were watching the replay and they were so excited and they also wanted to jump in and, and do what they could. So yes, that is, the chat is so important for that. Now lives are more beneficial. Then, and I could do a whole, I did, you know, because of time, I don't want to talk about that right now. But going live is very beneficial, and chat is part of that. All right, so Jan asked about the camera angle, and then Sue asked about this learning and was you know, commenting about it being here once. So let's do the camera angle first. This is the tripod that I use, and my card tutorial. Let's put one of these trays. So for those of you watching... Or those of you listening, I'm just showing a camera. I'm just showing how I would arrange the tripod. So I have a tray, and this is the top of my tray. Okay, so this is, that has my website on it where people order. So it says paperchef.stampinup.net. And here's my tray, and I sent to the camera beneath it. So here's my camera, and here's the tray. So I could see, I'm reading this. This is me reading it. And I put the camera down flat onto the tripod. So here's my camera. And I'm going to, very important when you start a video recording or live, especially, you're going you're gonna to talk about, I'm going to go live. And you have to have a certain, your channel has to meet certain requirements to be able to go live. But let's not even get into that right now. Say you're going to record or go live and you have the camera sitting like this. You don't want to do that. You want to sit it horizontally. So you're going to look at the camera horizontally like you would. But, and the timer needs to be on the top. So horizontally with the timer on the top. And then you're going to press record or press go live, depending on if you're doing this live or not. And it's already sitting in this camera. It's already sitting on the tripod. And your tray is underneath it. 
Okay, see, your tray is right underneath it. Hope you could see that. And I'm seeing it just like you. I'm not, I'm not trying to craft upside down. I've seen crafters try to do that, and I was like, oh, poor crafter. How do they craft upside down? No idea how they would craft upside down like that. I am crafting the way that I am showing you. So I made these cards, you know, for my bingo, and I'm just crafting in the exact orientation that you're seeing me. I'm just looking straight down. That is the reason I don't change angles a lot because it gets me all, like, everything starts wobbling, and then some, sometimes the tripod starts drooping, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the reason I like to start my lives in the right exact position. I'm already changing the angle when I'm pointing at different settings on the scan and cut, and I might have to already do that. So the last thing I want to do is also try to, just those of you that are listening has to visualize this, I'm also going to try to put it up and, hi, everybody, when you can see my nose, hairs, and nostrils, and then I put it down, and then it's like, oops, I forgot to flip the camera around, and it's pointing at my ceiling. So I just choose to go, you know, turn it on as it's in the right angle. All right, so Sue's saying, this is all great. I want to start a YouTube channel. Those will get a lot to learn. Okay, the only way to learn this is to do it. There is no way to learn how to do a YouTube channel without doing it. I am such a disaster at podcasting. I mean, I just started it. I have no idea what I'm doing with Audacity. I put my intro on. I'm going to put this recording, which I'm going to get an MP3 of when we're all done here. I'm going to add my outro. I'm not sure how to use the envelope tool that much and, and anything like, oh, you're supposed to check your levels and my intro might be louder than my outro and my in between and I'm not bleeping anything out. I am just going to post this podcast. Okay, because I'm learning. I'll figure all this stuff out later. Sometimes on Apple, they say, oh, I can see your show notes. And then someone else said, but I can't see your show notes on Spotify. I don't know why you can't see my show notes over there. I'm going to have to figure it out. It's all about figuring it out. The only way you gain confidence in anything in life is by doing something. And you're going to gain confidence because you're going to learn how to do it, get better at it, and start gaining confidence at it. So... That's why I'm here to help, and that's what I'm going to be doing in the Grow Your Crafty Business group is helping with the mindset things and the technical things and, and just helping share what I've learned along the way. Now, some of you may be thinking $20,000 is a lot, and some of you may be thinking $20,000 is a little. So let's stop to consider that it's all a matter of perspective. I have immense gratitude for the first dollar and 89 cents I made that one month as I did for the $725.21 I made in my highest month off the advertisements. But that's not the only benefit of having a YouTube channel. Before I summarize what we covered today, I wanna to talk about some of the side benefits and the reasons you need to start a YouTube channel. And you need to really do this like now. Okay, the best time was probably in 2020 or 2021 when everybody was online, but now it's the second best time, now, today or tomorrow, because it's getting late today. You are going to attract a tribe of people that are gonna help you grow as a person. And here's what I mean by that. By serving up content and teaching others, you're gonna get asked questions. You're going to have comments and feedback, and you're going to grow and become better at what you do. And then you're going to start thinking, I better level this up. I mean, I have, a, I have a ring light now, three tripods, better microphones, better computers, better phones. Okay, it's all leveled up. I, I have a she shed with the Ikea cabinets. Okay, I have all these other things I'm trying to level up. 
I get a lot of coaching now from, from different coaches in business and on different areas and different aspects of personal growth. I now share those things with my team and a community. Okay, so as your channel grows, you are going to grow as a person. And this is anybody. You don't have to even want to do this as a business. I'm talking about you doing every crafter that wants to share their gifts. You're, you're, you're holding them back. You're doing the world a disservice by not sharing your crafts. You have ideas. You have things to share. You may be having a different spin on something, a different specialty, coming up with folds, coming up with a new way of doing things. You have gifts to share. So please share your paper crafts or knitting or crocheting or whatever you do. Share those on a channel. Now, the side benefits have been my sales have increased immensely from starting my channel because before this, I was a teacher and I did have a couple paper pumpkin play dates and I had a few paper pumpkin subscribers and a few of my teacher friends would look at a catalog and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to order and they would order. And I started growing by having local workshops at my house and things like that, but it was nothing compared to the exponential growth you can get when you have a larger following. Of, of potential customers that get to see the products in use. So as your customers grow and they start their journey, some of those customers want to go on and become VIPs in your VIP group. And then they get invited to your stamp and sip, your bingos, they take your workshops, they take your courses, they become part of your card club and they see how you interact with the other team members. And then they, they learn about my team. My team is the paper chefs. Currently, there are 75 paper chefs on my team. And we, I found most of them from, or they, I should say they found me. I found them. We found each other. Let's say we found each other from YouTube. And some I know from in person. And then I met a lot of my team in person after I met them virtually. So now I have crafty friends for life because team members, we spend a lot of time together. We've become very close. We're like a family. So that's exciting. So customers grow and then VIPs grow and then team grows. And then next thing you know, I'm a top performer. And I must say this disclaimer, I have to say it because Stampin' Up! makes me say it. Less than 1% earn an incentive trip. And I guess it's 0.1% would be a top performer. So out of the, there's been different numbers thrown around, but sometimes there's 55,000 demonstrators worldwide or sometimes there's been more or less. But I've been, for the last several years, earning incentive trips and becoming a top performer. The last time they did the global top 100, I was in it. Then they stopped going with the global top 100 and they went with country. They go by country and the top 40 in any country is a top performer. And you've seen me unbox my swag and all the really cool things that come with that. So I've been a top 40, top performer in the top. So for example, number 18th in team building in the country. And that's after I just started, like a few years into this. I mean, because I've been doing this for, like, I've always been a top performer now for the last several years. They just asked me for a picture. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it in November, but I think I will. But I mean, they, they say, can I have a picture? So that'll be like fourth or fifth year in a row that I've had the trip or, or the top performer. So what I'm saying is, it's, there's so many more things that happen as a result of this. And then I have a Patreon membership because YouTube didn't have a membership when I first started and they get perks like course free courses that I offer so they they have ongoing pledges and they help support my channel every month as an ongoing thing that's been awesome I've been teaching on Skillshare mostly Udemy 14 courses on Udemy 
And the courses are very successful, not just from people finding them organically, but people finding them by me talking about them on my channel. And, and the list goes on and on. I'm, I'm an affiliate for Amazon, even though hardly anybody knows that because as I told you in my mistakes, I make it hard for people to find my, my links sometimes. But there's a lot of things that I've started as a result and the growth from this channel. And then now I'm able to afford to do other things in my business to grow and scale my business because my business has grown. I'm reinvesting that into my business. And then what does that do? That helps my community. So when I say my community, we've formed a community. We have a Scan and Cut, the Paper Chef Scan and Cut user group. We have the Paper Chefs VIPs for my customers. We have the Paper Chefs team group. We have Hello Crafty Friends podcast group for creatives. And we have now the Grow Your Crafty Business membership group. That's just communities that are formed and dynamic. And you, you've seen what the energy here tonight on this feed. It's, it's incredible, the comments and what has come through. So those are some of the side benefits. And I hope I answered all of your questions. So today in this podcast, we have covered how I got to my first $20,000. And that was from advertising revenue, super chats. People have premium subscriptions, for example. And that, you know, any, any kind of, that would just be from advertising revenue. We talked about my first 20000 and why you should start a YouTube channel. I went over the common questions that you may be asking yourself when considering if you should start a YouTube channel. And that, sh that would be, what should my channel be about? And I explained the importance of having a niche or a niche as some people say it. I explained the equipment that you're going to need and, the and why you could just start with your iPhone or your Samsung phone and a cheapo little microphone. And I will link to some of these products in the show notes. I talked about when to post and the philosophy of posting consistently at certain times or not. But one thing you can do is in your analytics is you can look at when your viewers are most active. And my viewers happen to be most active at night because there's a purple graph and it'll say like dark shade means they're the most active. So that is always when I'm going to do my lives. But there's a consistency as to whether you're doing the same time each week or whether you just are consistent by posting content and new content every week and or every don't go letting a couple weeks go by without posting something. That is being consistent. The importance of that. I talked about ways to grow your channel and get more subscribers and the reason that you'd want to repurpose your content and why that was important. I talked about really following your passion when you start a YouTube channel because that's how you're going to stay motivated and avoid burnout. If you're not doing something that you totally love, you may get burnout doing it. If you're doing something you love, you could do it all day and you like get so excited when you wake up in the morning because you're going to be sharing something with your community and you're all going to benefit from it and it gets you excited and gets you motivated. I also talked about the importance of channel analytics and how to track those. Some of the analytics were the click-through rate, the, the, let's see, what else? The number of, I know there was a name. Oh, I'm on my last line and I'm fumbling through her average view duration. That was it. Where my average view duration started out at four minutes and 32 seconds. In 2017, it is up to 11 minutes and 27 seconds. So it is gradually increased over time. You also want to look at how many people are viewing 
and and all of those things. And Marlene asked, do I know what commercials are being shown? I absolutely do no idea what commercials are being shown on my channel. I just write, is my channel appropriate for all ages? And I click on yes. There is no, you know, violence or content. It's nothing made for just kids. It's made for adults. And because I checked that off, YouTube serves to you what they think you need. Now, if you looked at my advertisements in front of mine, it's always for other courses because I'm always taking other courses and trying to learn things. So my advertisements are always geared around me taking courses. That's what they serve up to me. Sometimes Ikea, because it knows I like Ikea. And when I'm in other countries, it'll give me local, local commercials to that place. But every advertisement is specific to you. That's what the algorithm is all about. The important thing is to help the creators out. You don't want to skip over those advertisements if you can help it, because those are what monetization is about. That's what helps each channel. I appreciate all the support you have given this channel. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Hello Crafty Friends and that you will follow me on these audio platforms if you're watching this as a video. Right now, I am on Spotify and Apple and I will try to get on to some others. And I appreciate the super chat that I just received. Well, that's all for now. This is The Paper Chef. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Hello Crafty Friends. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback helps us inspire more crafty entrepreneurs just like you. Stay connected with our community and shape the direction of our podcast. Visit hellocraftyfriends.com to join the Grow Your Crafty Business membership group. Until next time, keep crafting, keep thriving, and keep growing. Goodbye, crafty friends.